verse 26, Luke, Luke um, 23. For, we're looking at particularly verse 34, but we're going to read the whole 12 verses there to get the context. So, uh, hear the Word of God. And as they led Jesus away, they seized one Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, and laid him on the cross to carry it behind Jesus. And there followed him a great multitude of people and of women who were mourning and lamenting for him. But turning to them, Jesus said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren and the wombs that have never borne, and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills cover us. For if they do these things when the wood is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two others who were criminals were led away to be put, on the, put to death with them also. And when they came to this place called the Skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. And the people stood by watching but the ruler scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine, and saying, If you're king of the Jews, save yourself. And there was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. Uh, let's bow and pray real quick. Father in heaven, Lord, be with us tonight as we hear your word. Um, as you speak to, as we, as we try to understand it, we need your spirit. And so we pray that you would speak to us uh, wherever we are. Uh, some of us are, uh, are very uh, excited to be here. Some of us are very um, thrilled to be in a place where we can hear your word. Some of us are kind of confused about all this. Uh, and so I pray today that you would make the cross very clear to us and, and how it is that, that your son Jesus could say these kind of words, how we might begin to say these kind of words. Father, forgive them. And we will give you glory, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, so, uh, you know, this is an epic uh, journey we're going to look at. We're going to look at this all semester. Uh, and so we're taking the words Jesus says, and we're looking at what he says while he's on the cross. So look back with me at verse 33 on your sheet in front of you. It says, And when they came to that place called the skull, there they crucified him. Okay, we're gonna just gonna look at there they crucified him the whole semester. This event, those four words, there they crucified him. I believe there's no more four words that are as important in the universe as those four words, there they crucified him. Sinners killed God there. We lose the magnitude of that because we are very familiar with that in our country, uh, in, our, in our culture. We, we, we get it that Jesus died. He died for our sins on the cross. But that is, the magnitude of that and what he did and who he was is lost on us in a saturated culture where religion's everywhere. There's a church on every corner. And so what I want to just, I just want to unpack it for you. And hopefully you're going to take this very familiar event and God's going to speak to you through it. Uh, just, just, just think about if you're reading this for the first time. It opens with a man being led, uh, led, along, led along, he's in captivity. He's beaten down and broken because he's been scourged. He's been whipped. And he can't carry his cross as they recruit this other man, Simon, to take his, to take his cross upon him. And they've got this great multitude of people 
following along, weeping and mourning about this man. And then he makes this sort like Jesus. Jesus hasn't spoken yet. We see him, and, he, and then he, the first thing he says is this kind of like strange thing about man. It would be better for people not to be born in the future than to bear all the weight of this world. Because he says, "Look, blessed are the barren and the wombs that will never that will never born, breasts that have never nursed. Uh, life is hard. There's death in it." And Jesus makes that comment to them. He says, "Weep not for me, but weep for creation." Weep for the people who have to live in sin and sorrow. That's exactly why Jesus is going to the cross. To undo sin and sorrow. And so he says, look, they're going to say to the mountains, fall on us. There are days in your life, maybe you've had those already, where you've said, hey, I would like a mountain to fall on me right now. And there will be times when you might want a mountain to fall on you. I know we don't say that. We say other things. But we, we get that idea. And so he says that. So, so then it says um, in verse 32, there's other criminals with him. They take him there, and there's the big words, there they crucified him in 33. Now, we're going to look at those, those words that are bolded on your hand, on, on your, should be bolded on your handout. Yes, 34. Um, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. After he's up on the cross, the first thing he says is, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Now, he's, he's talking about the religious leaders, the criminals, everyone who's mocking him, the crowds. And there's soldiers there who have stripped Jesus naked and taken his clothes. He has one piece of clothes that he wears that is very valuable, and they've started gambling for that. Now you can imagine the shame a person might feel as they've been beaten, stripped naked, and the soldiers who are mocking you are scourged, have scourged you, and now they're gambling for your only possession. And he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That's powerful. That's very powerful. And so we get that Jesus is experiencing death and sin and sorrow in a very profound way there, a way that we maybe not have even felt that depth of sin and sorrow in our life. But some of us have been through some bad things, but Jesus is very afflicted at this moment. And so, um, so He has come in this way, and the first we're going to look at this way, to undo death, to undo death to put to death death. So what do I mean by death? Well, death is really kind of a loaded word. At its most basic sense, it means, hey, you stop breathing, your heart stops, and you cease to live, okay? Your body is buried. Uh, and so that, that's at a basic sense what that is. And so Jesus is going to up, up in death itself, and someday, according to the Bible, people are gonna, who are dead, no longer moving, no longer breathing, are going to be breathing again, living, singing, loving, jumping, and running breathing again and we'll be alive again because Jesus kills death there's gonna be new life and so we'll get into that new life a lot this semester but death is experienced in a multitude of ways okay we experience loss all the time and I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about death in a more uh, broader way of speaking rather than just dying death is loss okay so it's it's the thriving of the quality of life that we were made for we that we don't experience that kills us it's elusive to us some of you have been here uh, a week or two, and you're, you feel like your social life is already dead, okay? I mean, like, you know, come on. I mean, like, uh, some of you have been here three years, you feel like your social life's dead. It's not as easy as you thought it would be. Some of you did not get into the school you wanted, and you feel like your future is dead. I know it's hard to believe you're at OU of all places. Uh, you're not in Arkansas, but you, you, you've gotten into a great school, but maybe it wasn't the one you wanted. And so... It's not necessarily that, that death has gripped you in the sense of you've died, but you felt loss, okay? 
And so y- your future may feel dead, but I got I to just warn you guys, your purpose is bigger than the things that you lose, okay? Some of you have lost things this, this summer, this semester, uh, and I'm going to tell you, your purpose is bigger than getting into SIG up or CAIO or whatever it is you want to get into. Um, but being here at OU, maybe you being here and having lost something that you love may be the best thing for somebody else or maybe the best thing for somebody or something for, that you experience because life is hard and there's going to be more things around the corner that are hard, but there is hope in it because of what Jesus is going to do here. He's going to bring an end to this sort of death that we're going to experience tonight, which is the need to be forgiven, the need to feel forgiven, okay? Um, life is overwhelmingly difficult sometimes. We, we pour ice buckets on our heads because life is difficult. People have to live with a terrible disease, and so we want to raise money for it. So we will pour ice buckets on our head. We feel that loss. Uh, we navigate away from web, web pages that, that tell us about tragedies in Israel, beheadings in Iraq, um, Ferguson, Missouri, for goodness sakes. Um, these things make our hearts sad, and so what do we do with that? We go to Netflix and we binge watch something. That's what we do. We don't want to, we, like, life is sad, and so we want to binge away from that and feel something better and escape. We get on Facebook, or Facebook, I think they have buckets, Facebook and Instagram, and then we always see his ice buckets. It's killing us. Okay, so we turn that off. Okay, there's no, there's no rest for the weary. Okay, just ice buckets and, and, and drama. And so we see this phrase in the Bible, they crucified him. There they crucified him. And we look at that life that we lose every day, and I want to look at kind of everyday ways we do that. Well, when he says, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. He's been nailed to a cross, writhing in pain. He says this very important thing about forgiving them. So I want to talk about what is forgiveness, okay? What does it mean? So naturally, when, I want to, when you want to talk about something, what do you do? You Google it. You Google forgiveness, okay? And you see what somebody says. The first thing that comes up about it is, is psychologists have, have got this great definition. I want to read you just a portion of it, not very long. But they say, Psychologists generally define forgiveness as a conscious, conscious, deliberate decision to release feelings of resentment or vengeance toward a person or group that has harmed you. Okay? Regardless of whether or not they actually deserve your forgiveness. So, so there's this feeling of resentment or vengeance. And so I need to feel that there is no resentment or vengeance out there for me. You all want to feel that, right? Let me just um, just give you an example of how we all do this. Um, you've done something stupid to a friend, and then you had to call. You had to call or text that friend and say, "I'm sorry." You have to do that. Why? Because we have this sort of need to feel like there is no resentment against me. There is nothing against. I, I, people can't be angry with me or, or out to get me. And what happens when you don't hear back from that friend? It kills you, right? That can, that can be worse when you know that they will not forgive you. And so how many times have you looked at your iMessage, saw them typing, and they stopped typing, and it's silence, and you're like, oh, no. They, they, don't, they don't think I'm important enough to write back. Or, you know, it, it goes blank, and that's terrible. iMessage, great, okay? But it, it drives me crazy. I need to know that we're okay, okay? I need to know what he thinks or she thinks. Text messaging is the most maddening thing for dating relationships, isn't it? It is awful. I feel bad for you guys. I think when Meredith and I were dating, there was AOL Instant Messenger. It was about the best we could do as far as that goes. I know. We're so old. Okay. 35. We've got four kids in a minivan. 
Love it. Embrace it. That's you someday. Um, we, we can't stand to know that we're not okay, though. So we need forgiveness. It's very real. This thing is in us, and we know it. And it sucks the life out of us. We can't stop it. Um, we, see, when we need this, we need to feel okay, uh, we will you know, we will sort of justify ourselves. If we can't hear back from someone, we'll justify ourselves and say, well, I'm not that bad. It was just the beers I drank, okay? Or I was, uh, I was high. Or she was being a bee anyway. You know, like, she, like it was just like, I will, I will throw somebody else under the bus to get myself out of feeling like I'm wrong here. And so this need, it just bubbles out of our souls. We need to feel like we're okay and there's no vengeance for us. And so if we can't get that right, it's going to kill us. Um, we feel like we've got to earn our parents' forgiveness. How many of y'all feel pressure to justify yourselves to parents? And, the, and so that you can just slave away on your grades and that can suck the joy out of it because they don't appreciate it or you feel like you've got to do it for them. Um, we long for another human being to look at us and say, we're okay. Um, you, you know, I, this is my favorite thing. I notice this all the time when I see um, people on campus um, who have friends from high school and now they have new college friends and then like they see an old friend and it's sort of awkward because like they don't know if they can relate to that old friend because they have these new friends. What will the new friends think about the old friend? And that's just one, that's just a, like what's really going on here is me. I'm, I need to feel like I'm okay and so I will treat people poorly. I'll try to act like I didn't see them um, to, in order to, to not go through that. Um, you see the girl, the guy across the big, you know those big lecture classes? Okay, like the huge ones. Uh, you see a girl or a guy that you maybe hooked up with at a party. That's awkward, isn't it? Okay, and then you don't say anything, and she doesn't say anything, or he doesn't say anything. These are, these are like it's, You were at a party during the weeks before class, and then you've poured your heart out to the person one night, and now you just act like it never happened. And somebody can feel rejected there um, because it's awkward, and you feel like you can't bear that. That's, that's, what, like, that's a sense of, I need to be forgiven. I need to see there's no resentment there. I need to see like there's no vengeance there. We're okay. There's tons of people in our lives that we legitimately need to ask forgiveness from. And some of us are even unaware that we've offended those people. And so um, the truest words I believe in the Bible are right here. It's, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. They know not what they do. That's about me. Okay, I don't know what I'm doing. And you don't either. There are so many ways I've offended people. I have no idea about it. But we don't know what to do. True words have never been spoken. We are ignorant about so many things. So um, Jesus is praying. He's saying, look, we're, they are blind to their biggest need. They really don't get that. What they need is not the approval of people, but they need my death for them. In that death, there's going to be an end to all resentment and hostility. Why? Because we can start praying prayers like this. We can start praying prayers like, Father, forgive them. We can go to our Father and start asking for, for, for Him to forgive people because we have security with Him. We start to see that we're the problem. Okay, there's three, three little brief points here at the end here. Um, I'm the problem. If I would take ownership and see that I'm the problem, then, then I can start to really realize that, you know, though others have wronged me, I'm part of the problem as well. Um, Jesus here had no sin of his own. He had no sin of his own, but he sort of identified with us. He, he says, look, like he had been going around forgiving people's sins. Okay, remember, that there, if you know the Gospels, there was, a, there was a man who was lowered through a roof. He was a paralytic man, and Jesus looked at him and said, your sins are forgiven. And now here he is. He could have just looked at the, the gamblers there and the soldiers and the, and the, the mockers and said, 
your sins are forgiven, but he didn't. He was in our place doing as we should do. Father, forgive them. He was putting himself on our level and walking in our shoes, being wronged, being sinned against, and how we, res- we, we, we see someone not let us, out, let us out turning left out of the gas station, and we get ticked, and we flip them off and yell at them. I, got, I, got, I had that experience yesterday where I was, the, I was the, on the receiving end of that. It was amazing. Okay, I just looked at the person. I was like, are you kidding me? I mean, that person has been a bad day. Um, and, and it was, it was in, incredible. And, and so this person takes her car and slams, like, just goes flying across the gas station parking lot to turn out of a different a- angle. And then by that time, the light of change had already gone on. She could have totally gotten out. But it's like, we get crazy because we don't feel forgiven. Or we, we feel like there's, there's a problem here. And, and we, don't, we, we sin against other people when we are sinned against. Okay, I probably should let her out. Um, okay, so we're blind to our need, though, that we're the problem. I'm the problem. Okay, so two, Jesus is the only solution. Okay, him doing that for you is it. Him doing that, that's, that's my daughter over there, Lily, by the way. Um, she's amazing. She's 16 months old. Hey. Okay, so um, this is noteworthy. Jesus here, like I said, he had no sins. He's doing what we ought to do. His prayer, look at this prayer. He says, Father, forgive them for they know what they do. That prayer extends through time and space, backwards and forward, all over the world to people. Father, forgive them for they know what they do. And, and what happens there is people are changed by that prayer. Um, if, you, if you know that in, later in the Gospels, Matthew 15, or Mark 15, um, in the crucifixion story, after Jesus has been killed and, and buried, a centurion looks and says, that was truly the Son of God. Okay, a moment before he was mocking him and he saw Jesus and he says, look, this is, this is the one. That this prayer was prayed for us is our solution. It is our only hope, is our salvation. We are forgiven because He was forsaken right there. And He prayed for us. Okay, He had to be you and me because we couldn't do it. So, um, uh, those, those guys like, um, uh, you know, Paul, Saul, if you know Paul or Saul, felt the weight lifted off of them when Jesus, uh, when this prayer became real to them. Okay. Um, so, Jesus' prayer is the only solution for you and me because we've made a mess of our lives. Uh, we can't fix it. And He spoke to the Father to make us right, to ask. And so, because of Him, uh, we can be just as if we've never sinned and just as if we've always obeyed. And we can be free to live again. So, the prayer of Jesus here, thirdly, is an example of how we can kill death. Um, so, the question here is, are you praying? Uh, this is really a challenge just to say, are we praying? Um, Jesus no longer had hands and feet available to help people. He was always, you know, helping the poor, clothing the naked, all those sort of things, healing blind people, um, raising people from the dead, okay? Uh, he, he, he could do these sort of things because he's Jesus, but here he's nailed to a cross and he has no more hands to do things with or feet. And so he starts, he uses the only thing he has is his, his prayer. He prays. Uh, and it was very powerful. Um, so if you feel like you can do nothing else for people that you love or maybe that you don't like, praying is one thing you can do that is very powerful. Um, if you feel like you're, um, you know, you're, you're sidelined, you know, you have no influence. You have extreme amount of influence if you're in Christ because you can pray. Uh, if you feel like no one's going to listen to you, uh, prayer opens up doors. You'd be, I could tell you story after story of how I prayed and, and something amazing happened where I had a door opened 
uh, to share the gospel with someone. And I would encourage you to do the same. Um, finally, uh, look, at, look at who Jesus is talking about. These are people who are mocking and murdering him, stripped him, stole his clothes, all that sort of stuff, crucified him. He's praying for people who seem to be unreachable, unconvertible. And they, he's praying big prayers. And so I'd call, I'd call you to pray big prayers. Prayers for enemies. Prayers for the guy who broke your heart in high school. For the, for the girl who broke your heart in college. That's, that's a big prayer. Um, that's a hard prayer to pray because these people have hurt you. And Jesus prays for these people and is the best thing for their lives. Is praying for them. You can put, put all the death around you to death through joining and praying that prayer. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Um, prayer changes people because Jesus started that. And that's the plan for you and me. Um, some of you, this is new stuff to you, but you felt that sort of need of, I need to feel right. I need to feel like I'm okay. I need to feel like people aren't out to get me and they like me. And, and, and a rare treasure that a Christian only, I believe, can possess is that in Jesus, even when we've hopelessly messed up things and people run away from us and they can't forgive us and we can't give ourselves, we can't forgive ourselves, you can look at this. There they crucified Him and see that the miracle that saved you was not you getting it right, but it was that Jesus prayed for you and Jesus died for you. And it changes us because there's a, there's a real contentment there that if He is so for me, I can be healed. And so it makes, it makes a real difference. Um, you can be utterly alone here at OU and abandoned and feel very lonely, but Jesus ran toward death for you. It's a miracle. It's a miracle that Jesus was there for you. And so Jesus ran toward death, death on a cross for you. Um, this is extremely um, troubling that he would do so. Um, Robin Williams, uh, you, everyone knows this guy. Uh, Robin Williams, famous actor, uh, very beloved, just recently committed suicide. He ran towards death. He was depressed. He had a disease in his heart, and he couldn't overcome it. It's absolutely unnormal, unnatural to march toward death. Absolutely. Death is bad news. Only one death could bring good news, and that's this one. This one death, the gospel of Jesus Christ, set us free from death. It didn't free us right now from the struggle to feel like we've got forgiveness that needs to happen, but it forgave us and it, and it sets us free to struggle because we're safe. Because He's prayed for us. He's died for us. And if we're in Him, we're okay. Um, so, if you're starting to believe that, if you're questioning that, come and hear more. Um, I will call you to take up, uh, there's, a, there's some resources on the back table along with cupcakes and cookies and drinks and all kinds of good things. But there's, um, there's a, a thing that we want to start called death groups. And so it's you taking uh, death groups. Okay, yeah, it sounds really, really fun, doesn't it? Um, but, you know, a lot of churches call their groups, small groups, life groups, which death precedes life. We need to put to death a lot of things within us to, to live. And so that's kind of the thing there. The, the death of death and death of Jesus happens, and we've got to examine it. And so what I'm giving you is, questions that will go deeper into the into these lessons and I would encourage you to take them even if you just want to take them for yourself and read through them throughout the week 
And then also get together. You might be led to, to get together with, you know, three to five people and, and have a discussion about this stuff. That would be extremely helpful for you, I'm sure. Uh, and so if you're starting to believe that, check it out and come back and hear more and talk about these things. Uh, there's no time like, you know, this, this, this time in your life to be able to, to iron out what you believe about the big issues in life, uh, about Jesus, life, death, purpose, um, hope, what is authority, these sort of things. And, and, and we're going to look at, again, these four words, there they crucified him, that the whole semester and all that happens there on the cross. So uh, let, me, let me just pray for you, uh, and then we'll maybe, do we have songs or sound? No. Okay. We can sing two more songs and we'll end it. How's that? All right. Let's pray. Jesus, help us. We absolutely have a lot of things we can't fix. Uh, we can't fix the sound. Uh, we can't fix our hearts. Our hearts are absolutely, they do what they do. And we need you to enter in to our world and our brokenness and bring these prayers to bear upon our hearts tonight and, and to bear upon our lives this semester.